Welcome to Animals Today, your home for serious talk about animals. I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner. You probably heard by now that one of the president's dogs, Major, nipped someone again while on a walk. You know, his first incident, Major nipped the hand of a Secret Service agent. No big deal. No penetration of the skin. He wasn't injured. Apparently, a similar thing happened again. Major is a three-year-old German Shepherd rescue dog. He's a beautiful dog. You've probably seen pictures of him. There's two dogs in the White House, Major and the 12-year-old Champ. So they're going from a quiet, private home in Delaware to the White House where strangers to the dogs are walking in and out. And, you know, they're nervous. And personally, I don't see the big deal here. It's like a person taking his finger and just poking you. He's not slugging you and harming you. He's just a little poke, like, get away from me. But the news makes a really big deal out of it. News is making too big of a deal about it. It's a distraction. It is. So let's get to real animal news, Peter. What do you have? (laughs) All right, this is better. Uh, Back to Texas, a a tiger that was uh, kept as a pet has been rescued and then delivered to the Black Beauty Ranch, which is in Murchison, Texas. That's near Tyler. This pet tiger is a huge problem. As you know, it was 60 pounds. Tiger was named Elsa, and Elsa was found in a pretty bad shape. She had a dog harness that she was wearing and had raw areas on her forehead from rubbing against her cage and missing fur, and uh, she was being fed an inappropriate diet that would have caused severe health problems, but fortunately, she was rescued soon enough and will be able to uh, have normal nutrition and won't suffer from that. She'll be quarantined, and then it turns out at Black Beauty Sanctuary, there's another tiger named Loki. Loki was discovered in Houston not too long ago, trapped in a cage where he could barely move. And so now these uh, tigers are curious about one another and will hopefully have a successful introduction. So sad. There is the Big Cat Public Safety Act, H.R. 263, that is pending. That would improve the welfare of captive big cats and protect public safety by prohibiting keeping big cats as pets and banning public contact with the tigers, lions, and other dangerous cat species. That's how they earn money by uh, selling, you know, encounters with these animals. So that is a big push to do that. That would be nice. Like picture taking with cubs. Yeah, Yeah. exactly that. And then they grow up to be 60 pounds very quickly like uh, this one. And there you go. This sanctuary, I just want to tell you, this uh, Black Beauty Ranch, the full name is Cleveland Amory Black Beauty Ranch. That is a world-renowned animal sanctuary, like I said, in Murchison, Texas. It was founded, Lori, in 1979 by author and animal advocate Cleveland Amory. Do you remember this chap? No. I'm going to tell you about who this great man was. But the sanctuary, it has over 1,400 acres. They have more than 800 animals, domestic and exotic animals, including bison and cattle, horses, burros, antelope, apes, camels, tigers. They all have permanent safe homes at the ranch. It's not really a zoo. You can have a private tour or a small guided tour, but it's really close to the public. And it sounds like a fabulous place. Cleveland Amory the author and TV personality, he got his uh, start as president of the Harford Crimson when it used to be like 
good periodical. Yeah. And uh, then he became the youngest ever editor at the Saturday Evening Post. Wow. Yeah. He went on to write some classic books called The Proper Bostonians, The Last Resorts, and Who Killed Society. Then, here's the uh, pivotal point. In 1974, he wrote Mankind, with a question mark, Mankind, Our Incredible War on Wildlife, which was widely attributed for launching the anti-hunting movement in the United States. Amory started the Fund for Animal in 1967, which manages this sanctuary, and he passed away in 1998 at the age of 81, and he is responsible for this amazing Black Beauty Ranch and really dedicated his success to animals. Wonderful. Yeah. A hotel in China called the Polar Bear Hotel opened its doors last week with the promise of round-the-clock polar bear viewing from all 21 guest rooms. Whether you're eating plain or sleeping, polar bears will keep you company. Harbin Polarland's official WeChat account said in a post, conservationists and animal rights groups have criticized the hotel. Jason Baker from PETA said, polar bears are active for up to 18 hours a day in nature, roaming home ranges that can span thousands of miles where they enjoy a real life. Polar bears belong in the Arctic, not in zoos or glass boxes in aquariums, and certainly not in hotels, said Jason Baker. Peter, I don't know if you remember this. In 2016, videos emerged of a polar bear named Pizza lying on her side in a glass-walled enclosure in the city of Guangzhou, which is northwest of Hong Kong on the Pearl River. There was global condemnation for that. So you can always count on China when it comes to discovering new ways to be cruel to our non-human animals. You better believe it. Yeah. Okay, back to Utah, Utah, USA. The governor there, Governor Cox, just signed SB 147 into law that would ban the use of battery cages in their egg farms there, which is great news. Utah joins Michigan, Oregon, Washington, Massachusetts as states that already have banned battery cages. Also, California, Rhode Island, and Colorado are on that list. And of course, Humane Society has pushed hard for these and hopefully will continue getting these laws passed, at least to make their short, abusive lives a little less horrible so they can stretch around a little bit and walk and do their grooming, you know? So I guess it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. That's Utah. And Lori, there is a new campaign that is being uh, led by In Defense of Animals and Animals and Media, and they are calling for the Associated Press Style Book. Okay, that's the book that tells you about grammar and how to write properly. I've never read that, as you can tell. The Associated Press Style Book, they want writers, when they refer to animals, to refer to them as he or she, right? Like she, her, hers, him or him. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, no, oh well, goodness. no, it's a point. But they okay. want to call them... He or she, and not it. Okay, I That's like all. that. They're just getting away from. They're not going crazy. Okay, with the pronouns. It's right. just I call it not a it. Okay, I thought you were going to go on the crazy okay. lane so, here, so, uh, but that's good. So this helps people. They say avoid, you know, thinking in a speciesist, biased fashion. And if you don't know the gender of your particular animal, you just call them. Say it's they. Is that okay? 
Anyway. The they thing is a little okay, weird. Okay, so, okay, you can call it a he, knowing that it might be a she. That, I like that. Or she might be a he. I okay, like that. Like, okay, so, so if you know the gender, he or she, right, and not it, right. and if you don't know, just say he. Right. That's and fine. You, but you could be wrong, but don't worry. Right. Okay. So that, there's a lot of, uh, you know, all the heavy hitters from our animal welfare universe are backing this. I won't list them, but you, you know who they are. And so maybe it'll have an impact. I don't know what influences the AP Stylebook people, whether they uh, will care about this, or, but we'll see. Good idea, I guess. I think the AP Style people are just concerned about the pronouns used on when it comes to humans. <laughs> okay, yeah. They don't care about the animals. <laughs> we'll see. Peter, at the San Diego Zoo Elephant Habitat, you know what I think about those, A father identified as 25-year-old Jose Navarrete dropped his two-year-old son into the elephant habitat at the San Diego Zoo where one elephant appeared ready to charge. So this genius of a father made his way past several barriers like over a fence and through ropes to get into the San Diego Zoo's elephant Habitat. So on the video, you see him standing in the enclosure with his baby in his hands, and he's facing the onlookers with his back turned, and then you see the elephant charging this guy. And as he tries to run away, he drops his child. Anyway, the guy makes it through the cable barrier and picking up his two-year-old with seconds to spare. Statement from the zoo reads, Despite multiple barriers, the father purposely and illegally trespassed into a habitat. Of course, spectators watched and took cell phone videos, and one guy says it appeared the man tripped and dropped the child, he said, before grabbing the toddler and getting away. Afterward, an elephant head-butted one of the barriers. Jose Navarrete was arrested on allegations of child endangerment and trespassing in a zoo enclosure, the sergeant said. Tell me that's not child abuse and absolute stupidity. Yeah, that's a great story. I hope the child is okay. The child's fine. I hope the head of the elephant is okay, the head butting <laughs> elephant. That's really what bothers me about this. You know? The elephant is okay. Oh, so with that note, let's yeah. take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner, and your Animals Today Minute for today is about hummingbirds. These delightful diminutive flyers comprise more than 300 species, with a range from southern Alaska to southern Chile. Thanks to their unique figure-of-eight pattern of wing flapping, hummingbirds can move in precise, quick movements, including backwards and upside-down flight. Hovering by a flower permits their long, specialized tongues to reach the flower nectar before darting off to the next meal. And depending on the sugar content of the nectar, hummingbirds may consume up to their own weight of it each day. Less preferred foods include tree sap, pollen, and insects. But a lot of energy is required to sustain their metabolic rate, which is the highest of any warm-blooded animal. Their name, of course, comes from their characteristic sound produced by the rapidly flapping wings, measured at up to 80 beats per second. The smallest hummingbird, the bee hummingbird, can weigh less than 2 grams. That's less than a penny, and most weigh less than 5 grams. It's easy and fun to attract hummingbirds to your garden with easily available feeders and sugar solution. But here's a tip. They often get stuck in open garages after being attracted to the red color of the door's emergency release cord's handle. 
Their natural instinct to fly upwards to safety rather than horizontally out the opening can tire these little guys out. But by painting the handle a different color than red or wrapping it with black electrical tape, the birds won't wander into the garage. And that's your Animals Today Minute for today. We've been using a nifty little device called Fur Zapper in our laundry. These are little soft silicone discs. They are hypoallergenic, non-toxic, reusable, and developed by a home inventor. They're patented also, by the way. You throw them in the washer, and then the dryer end, they really pick up fur, hair, debris, and uh, gets it off your clothing in the wash. It's Fur Zapper, and it really works. Welcome back to the show. So a couple more items from around the globe. You know, even though I'm sort of tired of these COVID-19 stories and COVID-19 animal stories, I thought I should report this one of possible interest. This comes out of TASS, the reliable house organ of Russia. Right. Right. They say they have the world's first coronavirus vaccine for animals. Hmm. Yes. This vaccine is called Carnivac-Cove, Carnivac-Cove. And there have been uh, clinical trials which began in October. Research involving dogs, cats, foxes, Arctic foxes, minks, and other animals. And all the animals developed antibodies and that the research gave Russia the grounds to conclude that the vaccine's safe and has strong immunogenic effect. Why, 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 you might be asking. I am asking that. (laughs) That's because, according to the scientists, the use of the vaccine can prevent further mutations of the virus. Also recall that last year, Denmark killed, culled 17 million minks over concerns that the animals were spreading a mutated form of coronavirus. So they may be wanting to protect their investment with these vaccines, right? I don't know. Yeah. I just think Russia wants to be the leader in some coronavirus vaccine related issue and so they're targeting animals which is probably not even necessary do you remember the russians claim to have had a human coronavirus vaccine yes well that's called sputnik 5 coronavirus vaccine that was released in february i guess the same sources are reporting this and it was said it was 91.6 percent effective against symptomatic covid19 patients and 100 percent against severe and moderate disease So they are claiming to be coronavirus vaccine experts, it looks like. Don't believe it. Okay. Don't believe it. (laughs) Tough and interesting situation in California where the black bears in California, that's Ursus Americanus, the Californian black bears, they are getting encephalitis. It's not sure why they're getting it, whether it's bacteria, viruses, fungi, a reaction to them or a combination of them. They are infecting the bears, which are... Uh, juveniles get the condition where they appear to be lethargic. They develop a prominent head tilt, muscle tremors, seizures. They walk in circles and they're underweight because they're not feeding themselves. But uh, most notable, at least in the reporting of this, is that they become sort of fearless toward humans. They approach people in a friendly, peaceful, and non-aggressive manner. That's what Ann Bryant, who's the executive director of Bear Education Aversion Response League, 
said. And she, in fact, had an experience with a rescue she made. She writes, the first bear I personally rescued was diagnosed with encephalitis in March 2018. The bear walked into a school and entered a classroom where she sat down among the children behaving very much like a friendly dog. Oh, my goodness. So that's uh, pretty weird. And the weirdness of this thing, I really think, is getting everyone to uh, talk about these poor bears. So they haven't figured out exactly why this is happening now. But and it's only doing, in California. Bears in California. Uh, so far, so far, they're studying the uh, necropsied bears to figure out what's going on. Boy, I fear humans are going to exploit this and use the bears in a way they use the cubs for petting and exhibits and yeah, my parties. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see. Oh, I think it's going to be sad. There are not a lot of cases so far. Okay. So maybe it'll be self-limited. Okay, Lori. Yeah. Now, let's go to Florida, the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. They signed off on a new regulation. They are banning the sale, ownership, and breeding of certain animals. They're adding to the list that's already there. Tegu lizards, iguanas, and other invasive reptiles that are completely overrunning the wildlife population. Florida wildlife managers say that the exotic pet trade is responsible for the problem of invasive reptiles. You know about the Burmese python situation. Sale of them were restricted in 2010, and those pythons were responsible for, for pretty much wiping out all the small animals in the Everglades. Yeah. So there are new regulations uh, stating that if you have uh, one of these animals, you have to construct a concrete enclosure if they uh, live outside so they can't escape. And pet owners will have only 180 days to comply. The toughest measure, which is a total ban on commercial breeding in Florida of these lizards and iguanas, that goes into effect 2024. Uh, Predictably, industry is not happy about this. Phil Gross, who's the president of the National U.S. Association of Reptile Keepers, he says, like, this is total boilerplate, right? The proposed rules are far from reasonable, and they won't help resolve the problem the state has with invasive species. Well, he may be right on that. He goes on to say that the new regulation targets breeders and enthusiasts who are the responsible pet owners. Oh, give me a break. So it's like, uh, we've heard that before. Right. Okay. So that's Florida. Okay. Okay. Well, this is a great story around Easter. A Minnesota teenager, 16-year-old Caleb Smith, started saving unwanted and abandoned rabbits when he was eight years old. And with the help of his loving parents, Caleb started a bunny business. Loving is right. How about awesome? I know. Awesome is right. And his business idea was to rescue the rabbits, the abandoned rabbits, find them homes, and train some of the rabbits for events like birthday parties, egg hunts, bachelorette parties. (laughs) And with the money Caleb saved from his bunny business, he mortgaged a 22-acre island on the Mississippi River to train the animals. And they call the island Peace Bunny Island. That's cute. Also, Caleb started a nonprofit organization where his rescued bunnies are therapy bunnies. So his rescued trained bunnies provide comfort for those dealing with loneliness, trauma, grief. So he takes them to places like hospices and senior centers, and he goes to preschools with the bunnies. And all these rescued bunnies are at a farm called Peace Bunny Cottage and cared for by Caleb and his parents. And the videos are so 
heartwarming. You see these senior citizens and little kids holding and gently petting and loving and kissing these little bunnies. Nice, what a kid. Okay, more with the show right after the break. If you're like most people, you have lots of plans. A financial plan, an exercise plan, a career plan. You also need a plan for the care of your pets when you no longer can provide it. Every day, animals are sent to shelters, terrified and confused because their owners have become incapacitated or died. Unfortunately, many of them get euthanized. Some people don't give the future a thought. Others assume family members will care for their pets. A better way is to name caregivers and provide detailed instructions about your pet's feeding, social, play, and health care needs. But even designated caregivers can't guarantee your pet will join a stable and loving home. Good intentions sometimes take a backseat to life's realities, like a new spouse who doesn't like animals, a sudden desire to travel the world, or the adoptive caregiver's own illness. A legally enforceable pet trust offers the only assurance that your assets will be used as you wish to provide for the comfort and care of your cherished animal companions. Almost every state recognizes pet trusts. Find out how to create one today and take steps to make sure your pet doesn't risk becoming yet another sad shelter statistic. Plan for your pet's lifelong well-being. This message is brought to you by Advancing the Interests of Animals. That's AIAnimals.org. That's AIAnimals.org. Welcome back. April 4th was World Rat Day, and there are lots of reasons why rats have a day just for them. So let's learn about rats, shall we? Day for everything. Okay. Which statement, Peter, about rats is false? Rats can reproduce every three weeks. There are 56 known species of rats. The Sumatran bamboo rat can weigh up to 8.8 pounds. Rats are solitary animals. Oh, I think rats are solitary animals. That would be false. That is correct. Rats are very social animals and live in living communities in which they groom each other, sleep together, and play together. Rats enjoy and need the company of other rats. In fact, not only are rats extremely social, but they are very affectionate animals. Rats take care of injured and sick rats in their group. Also, domestic Pet rats love being and interacting with humans, too. And listen to this, Peter. Without companionship, rats tend to become lonely and depressed. It's been shown that rats will get depressed. They don't eat well and get very nervous when alone. So rats live in family groups in the wild, and domesticated rats are no different. So if you're planning to get a pet rat, it's best to get them in pairs or more. More is better. So when one dies, the other's not alone. (laughs) And just like humans and other animals, when one family member dies, they'll go through a mourning process. Also, when a rat is sick or injured, other rats will look after them until they are better. Domesticated pet rats come to love their human companion and will answer to their name. If you're interested in having a pet rat, get more than one, more is better, and always adopt from a rescue and not from a breeder. You've heard that before. Rats are also very playful animals. They like to run, jump, and play fight. 
domesticated pet rats will often play wrestle with their owner's hand. And get this, Peter, it's been shown that rats laugh. Yeah, I this remember is that. Oh, you do? Yeah. This is interesting. Since rats communicate with each other at higher frequency than us, at about 50 kilohertz or higher, we can only hear their laughter by using a bat detector device. Estonian neuroscientist Jacques Pengsepp did just that in his paper, Behavioral Brain Research, over a period of many years, spent tickling rats. And he found out that rats are particularly ticklish in their nape area. That's the back of the neck. And they will seek out the human hands they know will tickle them. And that's the rats who laugh the most, who were also the most playful. And according to this article in the online saga UK magazine, 12 Facts About Rats You Need to Know, this behavioral brain researcher, Jock Pengsip, also found that rats would stop laughing when conditions change, such as bright lights coming on or the smell of a cat approaching. Yeah. So far, the only other non-human animals who've been proven to laugh are primates, such as chimpanzees, and there's research to suggest dogs and dolphins both perform something akin to laughter, too. So we can't hear the communication amongst the rats, but of course we can hear the scampering and scurrying and squeaky noises rats tend to make. Peter... True or false? There's wait, wait a second. I'm just taking all that in. <laughs> like, the facts you need to know about rats. That was an interesting title. Did I go too and fast? No, you didn't go too fast. I'm just like, this whole world of ratty uh, trivia, ratty facts. Yeah. Is, I'm just trying to absorb it all. That's and all. And they're social and compassionate it's, and, and, and sweet. And they laugh and they, and they la- I know. Yeah, okay. All right. Okay. Carrie, go ahead. You got it all in now? I'm just adapting. Go okay. ahead. True or False. There are some countries that worship rats. Oh, yes, that's true. Do you know where? I'm going to say, let's see, wasn't there uh, like uh, Thailand or uh, Indonesia? Uh, northern India. Oh, that's... There's that's... a temple in northern India where rats are worshipped, just outside the city of Bikaneer. This very famous Hindu temple is called the Karni Mata Temple or the Rat Temple. And it's where pilgrims go to pray to the saint and goddess, Karni Mata. But rats are the other deities housed at this temple. And there are around 25,000 rats scurrying all around the temple. And they, the rats, are worshipped. It's believed these rats are the reincarnated souls of local family of storytellers. And they were reborn through a power of the rat goddess called Karni Mata. These rats are treated as sacred and considered to be holy. And many people travel great distances to pay their respects. Of course, the temple is also a tourist attraction from visitors across the world. And they all get there and say, I can't believe this place exists. Yes, they do. You have to see the videos. And I'm going to get to that. One of the rules there in order to go into the temple is that you must remove your shoes to walk inside. And this is to prevent people from accidentally stepping on and hurting or crushing the rats. And you have to watch your step because if you check out any of these videos online, and there are a few great seven, 10 minute educational type videos depicting the temple, and you could see rats just running around everywhere. 
And of course, you can imagine how much excrement can be produced by 25,000 or so rats, but apparently that swept up continuously. And you see people or pilgrims or visitors holding and loving and feeding the rats. Yeah. You also see children sitting amongst the rats and hand feeding them, and the rats are crawling on, their, on the kids and on their laps and legs. And the priests and pilgrims feed the rats grain and milk and whatever else the rats want to eat there. The priests and members of his group are devoted to serving the rats. And again, they believe strongly in reincarnation and that these rats are family members. So you see the priests eat and drink with the rats. On one of the online videos, you can see someone in the kitchen in the, in the temple cooking food and rats nibbling on the fresh food that is also shared with the human oh, members. Yeah, that's too much. Another clip showed like 20 or 30 rats lined up all around and drinking some fresh milk in a circular large pan on the floor. And you see a pilgrim reach down with his cupped hand and get a handful of milk and drinks it. Yeah. The same milk as the rats are drinking. Anyway, very interesting and definitely encourage listeners to YouTube this. National Geographic also puts out a, like a five-minute YouTube on this temple. It explains how this became the temple of rats and the history behind it. So what do you think about that? Uh, like I said, just sort of taking it all in. Don't rats carry certain like microbes and illnesses and things that are infectious, like hantavirus or some other things? I would be worried getting something transmitted or being nibbled on. Well, we're going to talk about possible bacteria and viruses that rats might carry, but these people and the visitors there yep. um, are not worried about that. And reportedly, there's no cases in the surrounding area of any sort of infections to humans transmitted by the rats. Okay. So, I, I don't I'm know. still worried. You say you would not visit the rat temple? I would visit. I would visit. You just wouldn't drink from the same milk bowl as they <laughs> That's are. That's a bridge too far. Okay. Peter, true or false? Rats have excellent memories. That is true. True. They can remember a human face and recognize people they've seen before. If you have a rat as a pet, it can learn its name and respond when you call to it. Rats also don't get lost because they are so good at remembering their way around. Once they learn a navigation route, they won't forget it. True or false, rats can be trained in a similar way to dogs. It's true, true. That's right. Like dogs, they are very food-oriented, so they will learn by enticing them with a little treat. And as we talked about, they're also very sociable, so they like the interaction they get from doing the activities, such as fetching and jumping and coming when called. True or false, rats are extremely dirty, unclean animals. Oh, you dirty rat. Uh, that is going to be false. False is correct. Rats spend several hours a day cleaning, grooming themselves, and cleaning their group members. Yeah. Cleaning others is a social bonding experience for rats. And rats clean themselves so much that they are said to be cleaner than dogs and cats. What is the purpose of a rat's tail? A, the tail does not have a purpose. B, like a lizard, the tail can break off as a self-defense mechanism. C, rats' tails help them to balance, communicate, and regulate their body temperature. D, a rat tail is used for the purpose of mating. The bigger the tail, the better. Oh, wow, the bigger the... Okay. Wow. Is it one of those? 
One of those. One of, I'm going to go with C. C is correct. Rats' tails help them to balance, communicate, and regulate their body temperatures. And you know the tail must work well for balance because they're excellent climbers. They can climb up walls. So you wrote those alternative answers? Very clever. Thank you. <laughs> the rat is the first in the 12-year cycle of the Chinese Zodiac, and the rat is one of the most clever and gifted animals out of the 12 zodiac signs of the Chinese horoscope. True or false? Uh, I gotta say true. True is correct. People born within these years are said to have been born in the year of the rat. 1912, 1924, 1936, 1948, 1960, 1972, 1984, 1996, 2008, and 2020. Yeah. People born in the year of the rat, so one of these years I just said, are thought to possess characteristics which are associated with rats, namely creativity, intelligence, honesty, ambition, and generosity. Peter, true or false, the rat's sense of smell is better than the sense of smell of dogs. Oh, boy. I'm going to say that's true. True. Wow. Rats don't see very well, but their other senses are pretty darn good. And Peter, as you know, giant African pouch rats are used to help in clearing out landmines in Cambodia and Zimbabwe. Yep. And we've talked about this on the show before. The rats themselves are too small to set off the landmines, but they detect where the explosives are buried so they can be detonated safely. Yes, quite amazing. Also, rats can effectively sniff out tuberculosis in people with HIV and reportedly much more efficiently than microscopic tests. Furthermore, in the Netherlands, police have trained rats to sniff out drugs, explosives, and counterfeit cigarettes. Which American city has the most rats? LA, New York, Houston, Chicago. Pre or post pandemic is the yeah, question. That's a good question. You know, because I heard, I think we talked about the rats coming out in New York City. I'm going to say there are more rats in Chicago than anybody. Anywhere. You're right. And you're right. We did talk about after the pandemic, um, the rats in New York City just took over. Right. The other rats. <laughs> According to Pest Control Service Orkin, Chicago is being called the ratty city in the United States for six consecutive years in a row. <laughs> that is distinction. <laughs> and Orkin, they should know. Right. Yeah. Windiest, rattiest city. Yeah, that's good. Okay, don't go away. More rat fun facts right after the break. For the past three decades, International Society for Animal Rights has fought the battle against dog and cat overpopulation. ISAR is committed to advancing the rights of animals through a variety of law-based programs, including legislation, litigation, and public education, including model laws. For a list of all ISAR overpopulation programs, please see their website at www.isaronline.com. back to animals today april 4th was world rat day so we're having lots of fun talking about rats unfortunately peter a history of bad press from the bubonic plague and the black death is associated with rats however world rat day is here to bust these old myths and misconceptions okay. like peter are rats to blame for the bubonic plague oh 
I'm going to say yes. No. Okay, teach me. Okay. Rats have long been blamed for spreading the Black Death. So Black Death is the term that describes the global epidemic of the bubonic plague that struck Europe and Asia in the mid 1300s. So the plague was caused by the bacterium Yersinia pestis. pestis. Very good. And researchers thought the bacterium would infect fleas on rats. And when the rats died, the fleas would jump to humans infecting them. Right. And it's been speculated that the fleas on rats are responsible for the estimated 25 million people who died from the plague between 1347 and 1351. But studies have come out in the last few years that suggest that rats weren't the main carriers of fleas and lice that spread the plague. It was humans. Oh. Fleas and ticks on humans was shown to be the most accurate model for explaining the spread of the disease. According to history.com, it's not clear where the belief that rats spread the plague come from in the first place. After all, the researchers write that, quote, there's little historical and archeological support for such a claim. For example, if rats really were a main cause of the plague, there'd be more archeological evidence of dead rats. So most people, like you, I would guess, Peter, still believe that the rats are to blame for the widespread outbreak of the plague. Instead, the disease may have spread from person to person through fleas and lice and human feeding parasites. Yeah. Wow. Thank now, you. I'm not saying that rats cannot spread diseases to humans. All wild rodents carry bacteria and viruses that cause infections in people. Which of the following film characters is a rat? Remy, Ben, Socrates, or all of the above? Oh, okay. Hmm. Well, I, I believe that Remy was a rat from, uh, and I do think Ben, Michael Jackson's Ben. And I don't know who Socrates is. That's probably more modern animated film. Well, you did pretty good, Peter. Disney's 2007 movie Ratatouille yeah. followed a rat named Remy as he became a chef in Paris. The 1970s gave birth to two rat movies, Willard, in which a boy becomes friends with a rat named Socrates and starts training rats, and its sequel, Ben, about a boy befriending one of the rats trained by Willard. It featured a theme song by Michael Jackson. Good, Peter. Yeah. I don't remember Willard so well. No, I don't think I saw it. Okay. But I'm surprised your patients wouldn't talk to you about it, your little kids. Yeah, well, you know, from the, the, they don't watch much from the 70s. What is the word for a group of rats? Oh. A mischief? Yeah. A school? A murder? Or a flock? I'm going to say I don't know this, a mischief. That's correct. Yeah. What do you call a fear of mice and rats? Mm. Musophobia? Rodentophobia? Murdophobia. <laughs> Rodentophobia sounds too easy to believe, but I'll go with that one. It's musophobia. <laughs> Moose? Spell that. I think it's musophobia. Musophobia. M-U-S-O-P-H-O-B-I-A. Wow. The word comes from M-U-S, moose. Which is like mouse. Which is mouse, right. German. In Latin and Greek. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Peter, how do you tell the difference between a rat and a mouse? Yeah, I was hoping you'd get to this at some point. Okay, how do you tell a difference? Name like if three, I, three okay. characteristics. Oh, rat. Okay, mice are smaller? Yes. Okay. Mice have, let's see, something about their whiskers. 
or their... How about their head? Mice have a smaller head. Well, I don't know about smaller. The snout of a mouse is more triangular and the snout of a rat is more blunt. Okay. Okay. But maybe it's smaller. Well, okay. Okay, how about the tail? Tail, rat, mouse. Uh, the mouse has a hairy, skinny tail. That's pretty good. Mouse have long, uh-huh. thin, hairy tails. They also have large, floppy ears, which oh. is different than the, the oh, rat. Right. Mm. And the rat's tail is usually hairless. Mm. What is the smallest size hole a rat can fit through? The size of a small marble? The size of a quarter? The size of a golf ball? Or the size of an egg? Oh, boy. I'm going to say quarter size. Quarter is correct. Quarter size. That's, so they really got to deform themselves to squeeze through. Like you see those videos of like the octopi and how they're able to get through little spaces? I they know. Really, I know. It's really bizarre. Well, we've seen... Well, we've seen mice go like under a closed door before. Well, yeah, that's, like that's true. Three millimeters that's high. That's true. That's yeah, they're clever. True or false? Domestic rats bite often and without provocation. I'm going to say false. False is yeah. correct. Chocolate is just as toxic to rats as it is um, to dogs. Oh, true or false? Oh, oh, you know, I never heard that because I'm not into the pet rat. But let's see. I'm going to say false. It's false. Yeah. The Otherwise, top... they'd be putting chocolate in the rat cape, yeah, rat traps. Yeah, that's right. But there are foods that are toxic to rats. So I'm actually scared to say, because now I'm going to give people idea what to put in mm. rat traps. But the skin and seeds of avocado and green bananas and raw sweet potatoes, a lot more. There's a lot of foods that are toxic to rats. But going back to the chocolate, the toxin in chocolate that can kill dogs is called theobromine, does not affect rats. Yeah, good. Rat, four feet, yes. have four toes. Yeah. But how many toes are on the hind feet? Three, four, or five? I'm going to say three. Five. I'm going to say five. <laughs> I was making little... I see you making little... Rat foot things with my fingers. <laughs> three looked good. Lori, I don't know if I ever told you this. I have a little rat story you for you. You have a rat from, story? Yes, from pre-marriage days. Okay. I was in college, and I uh, spent a summer up there studying in Massachusetts. It was really hot. I had no money, had no air conditioning in my apartment, and it was just brutal for a stretch there. And uh, one of my professors from the psychology department, okay, uh, he gave me a key to the rat lab, which was nice and cool. Right, really one of the rare air-conditioned places I could find. And he allowed me to just uh, go in there, not bother anybody. And there was a little little room with a desk, and I could go there and do my, do my studies during the day in the rat lab. And he was just being nice. He just gave me a place to go. And it was sort of, uh, it was useful. The odor was, you have to get used to it. You know, it's hard to concentrate when you have the... A lab, rat lab odor, but I got used to it, I guess. Did you sleep with the rats? Did not sleep with there the rats. There was no mattress on the floor there I didn't for have you? anything to do with the rats, really. I just sort of uh, walked in and out. So, But there's my rat encounter. Hmm, your psychology professor. I wonder what the real reason is he allowed you to study in the rat lab. Well, Peter, you know what I would do if someone allowed me access to the rat lab, right? Yeah, I can guess. Free all the rats. Free all the rats. <laughs> 
Okay, well, thank you for tuning in to Animals Today. I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner, encouraging you to nurture your love and compassion for the only other being sharing our planet, the animals. Animals.